0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Armchair Analysts, the only podcast with fewer Twitter slip-ups than Gary Lineker. My name is Rupert Meadows and I've written and broadcasted about all things football on platforms such as TalkSport Radio and Give Me Sports. My co-host Cameron MacDonald has spent three years working as an FA licensed intermediary here in the UK. But above all else, we're fans.
1: Yeah, thanks for that Rupert. And uh, we will of course be continuing uh, the last episode. This is part two of sort of a, a two-parter. Um, that of course being our bottom 10 uh, Premier League predictions for the 22-23 season. Um, but of course we would be remiss if we didn't start off with a little bit of fantastic news. Uh, I say a little bit, it's, it's maybe the most monumental news to hit this country in a long time. And that is that it, it's finally come home england have finally won a
0: major international tournament and it wasn't the lions it was the lionesses it sure was yeah um the a team that wasn't even um a thing back in 1966 has gone all the way something that the the men's team have been entirely incapable of doing for the last 56 years so um i mean just really really happy it's great to great to actually finally be willing something as a country
1: yeah, I, a feeling I was not very used to on Sunday, sort of watching my, <laughs> weird, you know, the national it? team. <laughs> to, to, to win and be excited a little bit annoyed that we didn't have a, a bank holiday or a sort of national holiday on monday because i was certainly celebrating like we were going to be given one on sunday um but no an absolutely fantastic achievement fantastic i mean i don't want to sort of just confine it to uh, so a lot of people and a lot of people with very good intentions a lot of people within the women's setup have sort of been saying it's a big moment for for women's football and it absolutely is it's also just a big moment for, for england as well i mean you know the fact that the the, the national team has won a, a tournament um you know you've got gotta hope that that's lighting a little bit of a fire under the the lads team before uh before Qatar um and also just like a fantastic game in its own right I think um you know a lot of the time women's football is characterized by being um you know a little bit more technical a little bit slower paced but you know people are diving in less it's less less aggressive there were 42 fouls i believe in in this final between england and germany <laughs> which is like to, to to draw it to comparison i heard someone say that Leeds at the back end of the season when they were sort of getting a red card every game pretty much they were committing an average of i think 26 fouls per game also they're, they're an average of 26 fouls per game in that in their games uh, and in this game there were 42 um so so really a sort of england versus germany final that was uh, lived up to the hype some fantastic Fantastic goals, excellent finish from, from Ella Toon um, to sort of open the scoring, and then obviously um, England can you know finished it off in extra time, which is a complete reversal of, of what normally happens. Uh, and, and and just just great scenes all around. Um a fantastic game, fantastic um, you know, for us to have finally, finally won something. Uh and and plenty more to come, you'd hope.
0: Yeah, definitely plenty more to come. Um I mean, I've seen a lot about the fact that, you know, and you definitely get the sense that this is really just the, the kicking off point for um, a side of football which is, is only growing. Um, and as you said there, massive props to, to Ella Toon for her goal um, and also Chloe Kelly. Um, Lauren Hemp mm. had a pretty solid game as well. Um, I think that we were pretty, we were pretty good from the get-go um and then as you say managed to managed to pull it out in the last minutes which we're really not used to doing um no, it was no, no, uh, it was
1: always the polar opposite of like uh, when we scored first we didn't score super early but when we scored first in the final i was like i've seen this one before
0: yeah literally and then, and then
1: germany equalized and i was like oh i've definitely seen this one before
0: <laughs> yeah because if it wasn't if it wasn't germany equalizing um last week it was uh, croatia equalizing um back in 2018 i, I had a series of flashbacks um, or, but, or, uh, or
1: even Italy, Italy equalising last year.
0: Oh, yeah, of course. God, we really do do that a lot, don't we?
1: Really do. Serial we
0: bottlers. Uh, well, uh, we've uh, been shown uh, how to do it. Um, and I've got to give props to the manager as well. Both goal scorers were substitutes. Um, so, you know, I think I think it was only six minutes after Toon came on that she managed to, to break the lines and... Um, and get a goal what a pass from from Walsh as well Um, and yeah I think uh, we're all pretty excited to see see more of of this team yeah, to
1: see more of this team. And also, you know, still very early doors. Uh, it is Tuesday as we record today. So it's very fresh in a lot of minds. But already, a lot of figures have been coming out about, you know, um, the various sort of ticket sales for different women's Super League sides. And there's been, unsurprisingly, a huge amount of interest in sides up and down the country. Obviously, your your Manchester City and your Arsenal's and your Chelsea's that have some of the sort of top players from that team have, have benefited a lot. But they are already quite big as a result of being attached to big clubs. I saw, I think it was Aston Villa women had quite a... A big um surge of ticket sales um so yeah if i'm getting that correctly it was it was some team uh that wasn't one of the traditional sort of big six that already has like a an attached um you know commercial titan to it i, I suppose you could say but yeah no definitely really interesting and i assume it's going to be much the same for for all the women's teams in this country absolutely um let's then move on uh, from the absolute successes uh, that were the lionesses uh, into our bottom half of the league predictions uh so the teams that perhaps we're thinking are not going to be successful i'm gonna throw it to you rupert because i am going to give you the choice of our format here uh, which you think you would more like to do would you like to go from the 11th down or would you like to go from
0: the 20th up oh i i i think let's go let's go 11 down uh, that's that's just my opinion though I'm willing to be swayed but I think I want to end in the nice meaty topic of the relegation battle.
1: Let's do that indeed uh then because I have a couple of controversial uh topics especially towards the the bottom end uh, so stay tuned for those. Uh-huh. I'm sure you do as well.
0: Interesting. Um
1: for 11th place I have gone for a team that I believe you went for in your top 10. I have now come round to Leicester City. Um Wow. Leicester City are the only club at time of recording uh, in the league to yet sign a player, and are also in the in the midst of fending off offers from Chelsea for Wesley Fofana and from Newcastle for James Madison. They had a really up-and-down season last year. They slipped from 5th to 8th uh, between the ninth, uh, sorry, 21-22... 2021 and 2122 22 seasons. Um, they've got an ageing squad, no reinforcements, and even today the news came out that Casper Schmeichel had departed for Nice. Um, my hopes as a result are not massively high for the Foxes. Um, add to this that they have a really tricky series of games in their first eight fixtures. They have Arsenal, Chelsea and Spurs all at their grounds, uh, plus Manchester United at the King Power. And Leicester's home form is going to have to be pretty strong to start the season, or they can find themselves in a scary spot come the international break. I also want to just mention Because it's something that we didn't mention so much last episode. It was sort of hinted at here and there. But it's something that I think is important to mention here, specifically with the uh, sort of lower sides, or the typically lower sides. We haven't really talked much yet about the effect of the World Cup on this coming season and also sort of this international break that's coming in after game week eight. A lot of people are looking at the season like it's being sort of split into quarters. Um, and so for a lot mm. of teams, I've been looking at how their first eight games are going and sort of they've got eight or so games, uh, I think it is another eight games out for the World Cup. I mean... All we need to think about last season is the difference between the Premier League's best player, Mohamed Salah, before and after the AFCON, to you know, imagine how it might look for some of the sides that have players who are going to the World Cup, and some of the sides like if you're, for example, Nottingham Forest, and you're not expecting to have a lot of players go to the World Cup, is that going to give you the edge over a side like, for example, uh, Leicester or, or Anastasia Villa, who might have a few teams going to the to the World
0: Cup? It's not unthinkable. It's not unthinkable. It'll definitely change the the momentum battle. I'm sure. Um, I think broadly, though, I can't imagine any one player having the same kind of drop off as someone like Mo Salah because I do feel like th- that Afcon thing where he, he's carrying the whole, um, you know, the, the team on his shoulders in terms of like really trying to drive them towards um, a historic title. I feel like I feel like that is singularly. You know, damaging for a player to experience. Um, but,
1: but then you're you're saying so that's true. But Mohamed Salah was was one player, and they had a couple of players that went to Afcon. But there was one of the three. Let's say you're Chelsea, who, as we discussed last episode, could be in for mm-hmm. uh, a turbulent season. Like most of their squad's going to be going to the World Cup. So if like a third of those players come back and are really really nerfed, then they could slip down really far and have a tragic year.
0: They could do. I think. Um... Uh, it's it's so hard to say you know we just haven't had it before um i mean we have had the afcon and you can look at the afcon that's really the only like barometer we have for for this kind of thing i think that mm. the bigger clubs will not suffer as much as we might imagine but i think it's definitely going to be a hard game or two coming back because all of the smaller teams will have such a good you know run in preparing for for those fixtures in a way that the top teams sending off half their players won't
1: yeah yeah and and also at that point you mentioned yeah when um you know a lot of these clubs aren't gonna be able to do a, a whole lot of much you would imagine that some of the teams that don't have any players um away at the world cup are going to be doing their own sort of mini preseason season mid-season so um so yeah uh anyway that was my 11th place uh, and a little bit of a detour just to, to frame some of the later conversations who have you got yeah. for 11th place in your in your table
0: it's interesting i mean i do think just to finish on Leicester, I do think the loss of Casper Michael changes things. I've always thought he was an integral part of of their setup, and and also probably allowed for their rotating door in defence, um, because I think he's so good at, at managing it. Um, I think if James Madison goes, they'll be in trouble. Not in trouble in terms of getting relegated, but I think they'll be definitely at risk of, of finishing outside so the top ten. But I do think James Madison, if he stays, will have a very good year. Um, moving on to my 11th place i've gone for someone i think you had in your top 10 which is we're going to be saying that i'm sure a couple of times um i've gone with brighton um i i I get why you've put them a little higher up but i think despite the fact that they have picked up a couple of really interesting exciting players in attack in uh nciso and adingra um well, in CISO especially. I, I do think that they're going to feel the loss of Yves and they haven't really um, fully replaced him, in my opinion. Um, I, I don't think they've got anyone coming through that can fill his role and they haven't really dipped into the window to replace him just yet. Again, if they do, then they might finish a little higher, but that's why, for me, they're outside the top ten.
1: Yeah, I, I can see the argument for that. I mean, I'm I'm personally quite excited. I think for what it's worth, they do have one of the better managers in the league, which is what gives me hope that they'll be able to bounce back well. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see, um, and it it could yeah. not go as well as I think it will for them.
0: I think. Um, I guess from my perspective, when I'm looking at these, I'm looking at the table last year, I'm looking at how they played, and I'm looking at who they brought in and who they've gotten rid of, just as a general thing, um, obviously, and when I look at a team like Brighton, I don't see progression. I don't really see, I don't see improvement. If anything, I I see a slightly weakened squad. Um, And so I think they'll finish a little lower than they did last year. Let's move on to your 12th place team. Who have you got there? Uh, I've gone for another one of your top tens. I've got Crystal Palace. Um, Interesting. And I I definitely agree with you that they've, they've got a great window so far. Um, I think, Du is exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing him in midfield. I think players like um Sam Johnston as a as a goalkeeper, I think it's really handy. Um like very very smart acquisition and then got Richards coming in as well from Bayern. I, I like all of that movement. The only real player that they've gotten rid of is Kiate, and I don't think he makes too much of a difference. The only reason I, I feel like I've put them slightly lower than you have is because I think I and maybe I overvalue it, but I think that Palace really relied on the energy of Conor Gallagher in midfield last year quite a lot. And while Cure is going to go some way to, to filling that void, I do think they're going to miss him at times. Um, so I think while it's still going to be progress and I think they're going to continue to develop as a squad while Vieira develops as a manager, I think that it's not going to be reaching the heady heights that some are expecting
1: progress in a sense I suppose but you have left them in the same position that they finished last season which of young developing it's just, just no.
0: no but it's a lot of young players developing I think I think another season under Vieira's belt is going to be good for them as well I think that even at times when you finish above your expectation to maintain that is can still be seen as progress can still be impressive
1: yeah fair enough Um, I have gone for a team similarly to you who I think are going to have progress a tiny little bit of progress I I've moved them up one position uh, and that is Brentford Um, they were a really solid side last year um, and they've had a few interesting additions they have lost Christian Eriksen which is a, a pretty pretty big one um, because of course he's gone to, to Manchester United but while I don't see them not doing that much better this season I equally don't see them having the collapse that we've seen sort of Brentford's predecessors and sort of the team that's come up looked really exciting and then completely you know fall to bits the next season and you know the Sheffield United and and Leeds we've had over the last couple of seasons I think one of the big differences for them is um, potentially um, and you know unless there's a big injury that happens again they'll be hoping to have David Raya for much of this season um, which last time out remember they started very strong and they lost Raya in something like game week three or game week four and then they had like a run of eight or or nine games something like that where they just really struggled um that being said they will start the season without ethan pinnock and christopher Fire, so because they're injured i haven't you know put them way up in the table because they're gonna have raya back um i've just put them up one place for now and you never know what happens um but i do think they'll have a, a slightly better season than last year which is maybe you know all you can ask for given what the sort of proto brentfords of the season before and um, what happened to them
0: yeah yeah very fair um well i will not be getting to brentford just yet um my 12th sorry my 13th place um is wolves Um, interesting interesting and i think i think there's a lot of there's a lot of variants i'm definitely less confident about some of these these lower down teams because i feel like you know just in the top half of the league there are so many nailed ons like you know or you're pretty confident that Liverpool and City will be in contention. You know that, that Spurs and Chelsea and Arsenal will be competing. Um, whereas down further down, it, it gets harder to, I think, um, really gauge who's going to have a good season and who's not. Um, so Wolves, I'm really not convinced of them. I think they have some some answers, sorry, some, some questions to answer in terms of their attack. They've lost a couple of players. Um, they've brought in Huang, who I quite like on a permanent, permanent move. Um, and they've also brought in Nathan Collins in defence, which I really like. Um, so I think by strength of defensive play alone, they're going to finish fairly comfortably. Um, but I don't think it's going to be, again, um, I don't think it's going to be a, a season that's particularly exciting for them. I think they'll grind out a lot of wins against less experienced Premier League sides. Um, and I think they'll be fairly solid if unspectacular
1: interesting there's a lot of that I agree with and I'll be coming on to Wolves uh more shortly than you might think uh but not immediately (laughs) Uh, for my 13th place team is Aston Villa um, Aston Villa uh, had a bit of a tricky start last season and a bit of an inconsistent end lots of ups and downs and sometimes looked quite good it looked exciting for their first like two or three games in the Gerald and then bad for the next five or, or whatever exactly it was um, but he will now have had a preseason with these players and perhaps more importantly the players will have had a preseason without Jack Grealish um, we sort of looked at that as being a big miss for them last season and of course they sold him only eight days before the season started and and many would suggest that they hadn't really prepared for life without him maybe the executives knew that he he was going to go but it seemed certainly like a lot of the players and, and indeed a lot of the fans thought that he was going to be staying and, and starting the season with them um and they didn't really ha- have preparations for life without him until coutinho came in to fill something of a gap this sort of you know ability to have a preseason without these expectations that certain players are going to be there um combined with the fact that performances from the likes of leon bailey uh, and diego carlos have come in very well um makes me imagine that Villa will have a less turbulent style this year. Leon Bailey's been scoring a lot of goals and so far he's stayed fit. Injury obviously um, you know was a big part of the reason of his his underperformance last season and Diego Carlos looks like he's fit straight in. I think one thing that's particularly interesting is that John McGinn over the last couple of weeks has been named club captain. Stephen Gerrard's taken the armband um, off Tyrone Mings and given it to the Scottish midfielder who also uh, is expected by fans to play a little bit more of an advanced role this season uh, now that they've signed Bubakar Kumar from marseille who's expected to sort of play at the uh the base of that midfield with douglas louise and john McGinn, sort of driving forwards a little bit which is um at least on paper a very intriguing midfield three and could be one of those that you sort of um i remember when sort of like everton had um and they were all doing well at the time it who was it? it was alan um, du alan Ducore, and and someone else and i was like oh that's Thomas uh, rodriguez was it him? Was it him, or was it someone else? Um, but yeah, it's just one of those midfield threes that I'm like. In a different world, you could see that being in a, in a top Sigurdsson? six side. No, I'm 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 trying to think. And it wasn't it wasn't uh, Andre Silver either. Anyway, wh- whoever it was, mm. I'm drawing a blank on who who's actually was Maybe it was James triggers I don't think so. It was the midfield three. Anyway, whoever it was, uh, I remember thinking hmm, that was quite nice. And I like just thing about this midfield today, and I was like, hmm, that's that's quite nice. You wouldn't be. If you transplant that midfield into Manchester United's team, is it better than what they currently have? Potentially. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, I, I think um, yeah, lots of interesting stuff to see, lots of exciting players who are going to have had a bit more time to settle in, a manager who will have had a bit more time to settle in. Um, so yeah, I think thirteenth again, not a massive improvement um, because I still think there's a couple of question marks, question marks around uh, Steven Gerrard, but I don't see them having a, a shock at this season.
0: Yeah, I think. Um... I mean, I think you've you've outlined there kind of why I put them higher. I think that they're still moving forwards. Um, I think John McGinn's a really good lad. I think he's a good leader. Um, I think he he's so often not just for Villa but for Scotland is the player that um, the team turns to 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 produce something. And I think that his ability to arrive late in the box and get on the head of things and his ability to progress play forwards it is only going to get better with a stronger defensive and field partner um so yeah i'm excited to see uh, how they do as well and i know what you mean it's interesting uh we, we will see how um stephen gerrard does um uh, but who have you I got for so. your 14th place
1: here is where I have uh, the Wolverhampton Wanderers Um, they ended up the season in pretty poor form last year they didn't pick up a win in any of their last seven games Uh, and their response in the window as you mentioned there they've permanently signed uh, Huang Yi Chan who's a a decent if unexciting performer last season I know he had sort of injuries here and there Uh, and Burnley's Nathan Collins, who I actually think is quite an interesting signing Um, he arrived at Burnley from Stoke last season and had arrived um, there quite highly rated I think a couple of the uh, sort of higher up clubs were chasing after him but he was sort of to Burnley because he thought he was going to play straight away um but then just didn't really have the chance to shine in a side that ultimately went down um but Wolves yeah it's they're two decent signings they're not amazing signings they're not transformative signings um and especially with the recent news that Raul Jimenez has again picked up an injury and is set up set out to be out for at least six weeks uh, Wolves could be set for a very tricky start indeed that being said Wolves are wolves, and Bruno Lage is Bruno Lager, So I do back them to achieve some level of consistency as they go into the season. I don't think they'll be in any real danger, but I also don't think they'll be in any real danger of of getting into that top half or or even threatening it. So I I think they'll just be in the mixed veg. To be honest, they're they're not a side that I'm expecting big or bad things from.
0: Yeah, I think um I, I yeah I mean I think I agree with pretty much all of all of what you just said. Um, just put them one place above um so yeah i think well well put um now for my 14th place uh, i'm going i'm dipping my toe in the rogue waters and i've got fulham i've got fulham 14th um (laughs) that is that is controversial (laughs) well do you know what it is and it isn't i think the only reason why it's controversial is because of how bad fulham have been in recent years trying to come up to the to the premier league um They've never really landed on on a formula that works. But, um, you know, I'm sure in six months we'll be saying how short my memory is in terms of thinking back to those times. But I just really like what they're doing. Um, I know, as I'm sure everyone remembers, last time they came into um, the Premier League, they bought a bunch of really exciting players like Gene Michael Seri. Everyone thought they were going to do really well. Um, not necessarily everyone, but a lot of people did. Um and was, that, they was obviously... that last time or was that the time before last i'd I, I, i'd lose track with full of i was was
1: the last time not when they oh, didn't I, spend it, money and it, the time before was when they spent 100 million anyway, they, not, honest, they went they down both times any... but i think you're right they, they, think they, think, they, think they right. did but one of them they spent loads of money and it didn't work and then the other time they were like let's have more of a considered approach and it didn't work
0: yeah no you're right it was, it was two goes ago i mean look i, I just I just really rate them, the moves that they've made. They've not spent a massive amount of money. They've only spent, I think they've spent less than £30 million so far. But the people they've picked up have been really intelligent. Um, Kevin and Babu is a really good right back. And I think purpose-built for the Premier League. They've gone for less than £5 million. Andreas Pereira from Man U, I think, is really going to fill a hole for them in attacking midfield. And I'm excited to see him line up for them. And then I have no idea how they've managed to sign... Joao Polinia like the rest of the footballing world how have they done it he is an absolute class player I'm actually pretty sure um, last January when we were doing transfers I said that I thought Manchester United should pick up this player because that's how solid he is in defensive midfield so I just think that they've, they've, they've picked up some really great players they've got rid of a lot of dead weight got rid of a lot of dead weight in Anguisa, Carvalho and Serri um, and I, I just think that they absolutely dominated the league, the championship last year, and <laughs> well, I, I don't
1: know if it's a medical fabric about a dead weight. <laughs> like Liverpool fans are so keen that they have signed him.
0: And they're like, we've got someone who's going to be the next big thing. <laughs> um, I, I that is, is <laughs> a fair point. Um, the, the others maybe. I think it's more, it's more just that I think that they've. They've got. I just like the fact that they've gotten rid of quite a few players. Maybe, maybe that's silly of me, but I just see it as being very kind of efficient. Um, and it seems like a far cry from when they spent a hundred million on a lot of players that they then just tried to like wedge into a starting eleven. It feels a lot more of a considered approach. Um, I think that's what I'm saying. I hear what you're saying though. He he wasn't wasn't quite the player that they. Had hoped he was going to be, and I guess he's gone now. But no, I just, uh, I just think Fulham might have a little bit about them this year.
1: Well, we'll circle back to my thoughts um, a fair bit later in the episode. <laughs> um, I <I'd, laughs> don't share the the same same view. Oh, that would we, we, I, be if I... we didn't have a couple of rogue ones in there. But have I got them to go down um, for my 15th place? Uh, I have got Southampton. Uh, and funnily enough, uh, I was listening to some some commentary this morning uh, on my way into work. Um, and they were sort of making the very road claim just as you've made the road claim that they thought they thought that Southampton was sort of going to be real dark horses this season. Um, they've sort of added this number of really young players that have got significant promise that as we know is a strategy that has often served the Saints quite well uh when they've gone for these sort of young players and and developed them um and perhaps it's going to be the case this time for me there's still too much of an unknown hanging above a lot of these players a lot of these players are not sort of senior premier league proven they've either sort of come from uh, under 23 sides and been out on loan uh, otherwise most hilariously gavin bazunu uh, the goalkeeper they signed from the city under 23s who was a bit of a Pompey cult legend until now so all of the the portal fans were like gavin bazunu he's amazing and the southampton signing they were like gavin bazunu he's terrible <laughs> um, um but yeah some some interesting players they are more for me than Fulham. Sort of the players they've bought are quite interesting. Little sort of ten million pounds here, ten million pounds there. Joe Rebo, I think, is really interesting. Bring him in from Rangers again. The when a player comes in from the Scottish League into the Premier League, sometimes it works really well, and sometimes it just goes absolutely terribly. Um, so it'll be interesting to see which side he goes into. But he scored a very impressive goal in pre-season a couple of days ago, where he picked up the ball um from about the halfway line and then dribbled through through a few players uh, and lashed it away. I they're they're one of two teams i have in this list that i'm not entirely confident about just because there's so many unknowns about them what i do think is that i think there are enough teams who are worse than them even if you assume all of these signings do poorly that they won't go down i don't think they'll be in danger i think they've got enough quality in there that we've seen from seasons past Uh, and of course you know the big man himself jwp um but yeah, I I could see them being anywhere. If I'm being honest, from twelfth to seventeenth. Um, so I've put them around the middle of that in fifteenth place.
0: Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Well, um, I'm not going to get to Southampton just yet. For my fifteenth place, I've put Everton. Um, I'm not particularly confident in Everton. I'll be honest. I think I'm I'm slightly biased from the. I think I've got a little bit in my head like they're too big to fail, and I know that that's wrong. Um, because they very almost failed last year. But I just feel like, and I don't know if you get this sense as well, if they were going to go down, it would have been last season. I can't see it going as badly wrong as it did last season. And and maybe I'll be eating my hat, hat, um, you know, come March. But um, I like Tarkovsky as a signing. I think it's good. Um, I think they've picked up a couple of other semi-good players Dwight McNeil Ruben Vinagre um Moise Keane again um and and I just think they've they've got enough about them that they'll be okay again I don't think they're going to have a particularly fun time I think they're probably going to have some some pretty bad losses in moments but I've got them finishing 15th
1: interesting uh it's, it's interesting that you you highlight them again because again there's it's one of these funny ones i want to sort of pick up on a lot of what you're saying but i also don't want to give away my own uh, yeah, my own yeah, going yeah. but but for now let's go into uses trivia before we go into the second half of our table uh, and i've got an interesting one for you here um this may be if we have any uh, listeners of the podcast of a, of a certain age they might be familiar with this although they'd have to be Quite a quite a bit older than us, um. Although you know the demographics do show that that they're in there. <laughs> um, in the 1950 World Cup, um, there was quite a famous game that I'm sure you'll be familiar with, Rubs, uh, where England were beaten one 0 by the US, an absolutely massive upset uh, at the time. It still would be now, but but even more so back then when England were sort of a, uh, you know, one of the world's best teams, and the US were still sort of figuring mm. out uh, the difference between a baseball and a football and and all that sort of stuff. A huge upset in Belo Horizonte. The most interesting thing about this was that the goal scorer was not even a US citizen. Uh, Joe Gayens was a Haitian working as a dishwasher in New York City uh, and was washing dishes for the owner of the club that he played for, I believe it was called Br- uh, Brookhampton. Although he was not a United States citizen, he had declared his intention of becoming one, and under the rules of the United States Soccer Football Association at that time was allowed to play. Unfortunately, despite the fact he scored this goal, he was never given citizenship for the United States <laughs> and even represented Haiti internationally. Uh, but at least one thing he'll have for him is that he scored that sucker punch goal against the three Lions in Belo Horizonte. Wow.
0: Well, not even... Still didn't get citizenship. There you go. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's it's cold. It's cold, but it's... uh. You know, I guess that's that's how it goes in America. Um, that's so funny. I had no idea about that. That that was the goal scorer, and that was his backstory. Um, that's pretty cool. My piece of uses trivia is around the England women's national team, um, which feels fitting. fitting. Uh, yes, exactly, um, and specifically about the manager again, uh, Serena Weigman, and obviously England in this uh, this tournament managed to win every single game on the way to the final and then the final itself. Um, but what blew me away was that that's not the first time that Weigmann has managed that. In fact, when she was in charge of the Netherlands national team in 2017, she managed to, again, go completely unbeaten at the Euros. Wow. Quite and, and win is. all six games. So of the 12 games that she's managed in... Um, in tournament um, high stakes football she's won every single game
1: that is that, that is quite something well I mean you know uh,
0: the World Cup in 2023 is not too far away could well be yeah 35 goals scored five conceded over the over two tournaments
1: that is that that, that is very impressive indeed um let's move back into the tables 16th place i have got my first of the newly promoted sides uh, and it is actually the side that finished the bottom in the championship of the three that have come up nottingham forest uh that is right um often sometimes something we see it's not the teams that sort of come first that go up and and impress it sometimes you know because people are sort of a little bit wary of them or often they finished first because they've you know come down from the premier league and they've had those parachute payments and etc etc and so you know Know, people are used to fulham and norwich and etc and sending them back down um sometimes it is the ones that sort of have come up a little bit slyly that that managed to to bloody a few noses and and all the more so for nottingham forest uh, because they're a side that already last season uh bloodied a few noses including a fantastic showing in the fa cup uh, against liverpool where they didn't quite win but mm. maybe uh, could have on a different day a very well drilled side i can see them pulling off quite a few shock results this season but also receiving the occasional pounding uh, as they adapt to week in, week out in the top division. Obviously, yes, as I've just mentioned there, they are capable of bloodying the noses of Premier League sides, um, but it is a different prospect to be doing it week in, week out, but sort of knowing you have a big game coming up in three, four weeks and being able to prepare on that. Um, one of the things that is most exciting about them, though, is they have spent a lot of money to prepare themselves for life in the Premier League. Uh, 85 million pounds on a range of players, uh, which is, you know, impressive when you consider that they've got quite a few players in who are sort of loan and free transfers. Jesse Lingard obviously came in as a free transfer, Wayne Hennessy as well, and Dean Henderson on loan. Um, the money has been spent on, on some very exciting players like Taiwo Awanai, who scored 15 goals in the Bundesliga last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neko Williams, who's of course uh, the very highly rated right-back coming out of Liverpool. Uh, and players like uh, Julianne Cohn and, and Moussini Akate, a lot of really interesting players, even a left-back uh, from, from Bayern Munich. Um, I think they've added really well I think it's looking like a very interesting prospect and a manager who knows how to organize his teams well. And it's also a really, really young squad. I was sort of, you know, perusing a couple of their preseason results and and looking at how they set themselves up and looking at their squad. Almost all the time, when you look at their preseason games, it's only like Jack Colback and Cafu, who are, pl- are the players that are older than 26 and the 11. Other than that, they're all 25 or younger, which, which is quite something.
0: Yeah, it's massive. Um, they're a really young side and could go well for them, Could could go not well for them.
1: Who have you got in 16th place?
0: I've got Nottingham Forest as well. Um, and I think you've you've laid it down pretty well there. But I guess the the things to add would just be, I, I really like the signing of Jesse Lingard. I think he's got a nice new opportunity to, to strut his stuff um, in a way that he just didn't since he returned to Man U from West Ham. I think um, my concern is, as you say, that um, it's a young squad. My concern is that they've brought in a lot of new players, so there's a lot of of churn, um, and and also it's it's about Jesse Lingard again, which is just that he's on a lot of money, um, mm, and I think yeah. that I think that there could well be a little bit of uh, of malcontent, malcontent discontent in the dressing room oh, if cool. if he doesn't do very well, um, and if you were gonna bet on a player it probably wouldn't be Jesse Lingard to do very well not because he doesn't have it in him but just because uh, it wouldn't be a very sensible bet Um, so for that reason I, I put them 16th but I do have my reservations about whether or not it's all gonna fit together I think all of the puzzle pieces are there but you know whether or not they can they can slot into place and make it happen is another thing
1: it's funny, yeah, because cause you mentioned Jesse Lingard and his huge wages there, and it's it's funny that he he turned down the move to West Ham, um, for a move to Nottingham Forest for significantly more money per week. But it's interesting because Jesse Lingard, as we saw from his time at West Ham lost the you know the other season as compared to his time at manchester united last season and, and all the other seasons he's been there is very obviously a player who thrives on a confidence and be sort of having a very good support system around him and a squad that and, and a sort of a management system that that sort of helps him out and, and looks after him we saw that you know having kevin nolan and, and you know mark noble kevin nolan is the first team coach and, and mark noble is the captain you know present in west ham to sort of look after all the younger players was was hugely mm. hugely influential on, on his game coming good and i just feel like, firstly, why would he not choose to go back to a club that's done so much in helping him achieve the best form of his life? And secondly, as you mentioned there, firstly, there's going to be a few sort of side eyes in the dressing room when he comes in on his you know two hundred k a week yeah. uh, pay packet when a lot of the players there are going to be earning like twenty k a week. And secondly, even if he didn't have that. Pay packet, or even if everyone there's completely fine with it, you know we've all seen the memes already of like Jesse Lingard when Nottingham Forest are four nil down, but he's scored his first goal of the season, he's doing sort of all sorts of mental celebrations. You can easily see that turning to a little bit of resentment, a little bit of malice, and all of a sudden that'll translate into Jesse Lingard not playing his best football. And I kind of just feel like, you know, Jesse Lingard is—I know it's—it's it's kind of a meme that he's—he's he's not a, hes not a youngster anymore, and he's certainly not—he's twenty-nine, but theoretically if he had gone to west ham i mean west ham is by no means a a bad final destination for anyone in, in their career but let's say he went to west ham and he had a full season where he was playing like he did at the back end of the season for last where he was just absolutely banging it because he was he was you know doing mm. it. it it's not it's not inconceivable that a, a, a you know one of the big clubs would have gone back in for him and gone actually you know what let's give you one more chance of it. Maybe Manchester United was the problem and, and not you. Um, whereas here, that, that could still happen, but it won't surprise me if the mood sours uh, and so does his form in, in, in response.
0: Yeah, the only thing that I can think beyond the fact that he's just accepted a lot more money is that to to be on that much money and to be at a club like like Forest is it's it's secure. It's a lot more secure, especially going ahead of a major international tournament, which presumably he wants to be a part of, I think he's nailed on to start every game that he's fit for, for Forrest, in a way that West Ham probably might not afford him. Um, West Ham have quite a lot of of players in that attacking midfield role. Um, And while Lingard did incredibly well for them, and you instinctively feel like if you were Lingard, you probably would have done, you would have moved back to them. Um, I kind of understand the move to Forest on those terms, but I do think that it's a little bit odd.
1: No, I I, I, I take that point for sure. Um, And it's interesting, the World Cup conversation, because I, I assume, yeah, he does want to play and he's probably made this judgment call in part because he thinks it'll be more likely to get him on the plane, but we'll have to see how it ends up. Who have you got in 17th place?
0: 17th place, avoiding the drop, I've put Leeds. Now, I think you you might well have them here. You might well have them just going down. And and I would accept that as well. I think the main reason that I think they're going to stay up is just because it seems as if the profile of the club is shifting towards a Premier League side. And what I mean by that is there seems to be a massive difference in the amount of outgoings and ingoings financially with Leeds than there are with any of the clubs around them. Um, You know, they've... They've sold Calvin Phillips and Rafinha for a collective 95, 96 million. Um, and while they're really going to miss those players, you know, they've bought in five different players for more than 10 million. And, and that kind of movement is so much higher than, than you know, the other clubs around them. Brendan Aronson, I think, is going to be really exciting to see. Um, I think Sinisterra is going to be good too, but, but maybe not as excited for him. And then... I just think that you know that they've they've strengthened in quite a few areas. They've brought in a couple of new defensive midfielders. they've brought in a right back um and I think the fact that they've got Tyler Adams and Mark Rober um in in central midfield, possibly to replace calvin phillips um I feel like even if one of them doesn't doesn't quite kick off and start flying, hopefully they'll have enough in the tank to to do the same and they've got quite an exciting player in um darker Gabby. Coming from Man City youth teams, he's only 18, but he's currently playing for their under 23s. Um, bought him for five million. I just think, I think they'll have enough to stay up. But um, yeah, I think they'll they'll still have a couple wobbles.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I've also got Leeds in, in 17th. I think they'll they'll just about stay up. I think one of the things for me is I think that the teams I've got below them are in so much more trouble slash worse, uh, even though of course Leeds were. The closest to going down last season, um, and that was you know while they still had Rafinha, uh, having lost him, and also Calvin Phillips at his window. We already saw they were like last season when Phillips was out for an extended period of time. He'll now be out for ever, <laughs> and so will Rafinha. Uh, so it'll be a whole season. Um, their new signings are quite interesting, but they will desperately need to hit the ground running uh, as well as their manager, who's still kind of implementing his brand of football. What I will say about Leeds is you know, you mentioned that they've had some incomings and some outcomings. It's very different from everyone else. It's also interesting looking at the players that they've brought in and sort of the profile. Obviously, a lot of these players are from the Red Bull stable of clubs, and that is sort of where Jesse Marsh came from. So you would imagine that he has sort of been given the backing of the board and sort of dispensation to to build his kind of football team, which is both a big confidence booster for him and the players that are under him, but also you would imagine going to give him the ability to play with the kind of players that he wants and sort of, you know, if we, Think about sort of the biggest challenge of managers sometimes being rooting out the old ways and implementing their own. Uh, surely that's going to be a, a real tall order with someone like Marcelo Bielsa, uh, whose roots would have run pretty deep. Um, so being able to sign players <laughs> from that Rebel stable of clubs, uh, and you know, as well, obviously, as you mentioned there, uh, Bayern Munich. So another player from Germany where, he, where he's very familiar. It, it should hopefully. If there is a transition to be made towards the marsh style of play, effectively help that happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, we we've covered covered leads fairly well there. Um, I I agree. I think they're going to stay up, um, but be interesting to see how they do. Because um, I, I yeah, I could see them finishing maybe fourteenth, fifteenth. I could f- see them finishing eighteenth, nineteenth.
1: Yeah, definitely. It it could go either way. I think a lot of it, yeah, depends on can Jesse Marsh with these players that are sort of tailor-made for him or ones that he's very familiar with manage to implement his style and, and is his style a suit for the Premier League because we don't even really fully know that yet it was such a such a sort of chaotic uh, maelstrom at Leeds by the time he came in that I think he was kind of just fighting for his damn life um, and not really getting the chance to, uh, to play the football he wants to a lot of the time um, but mm. that is all the teams that we think are staying up this season we now come to our final three and you know listeners keep listeners who have been taking notes all along will know uh, which three we've gone for, but uh, let's go into them already, not least because it's time to go into the order. Um, I, for my 18th place team, have got Fulham here um you mm. had them a little bit higher i think you had them as 14th which i think is absolutely insane um <laughs> I, I i take your point that they've had some some incoming some outgoings i think they've overdone it a little bit they have got a very very light squad and and just on sunday when they played Vireal in their final um you know preseason game of the of, of the the preseason marco the players are ready for for the premier league individually i you know they've worked really hard they were really good last season they've prepared perfectly but as a squad we have 16 senior players <laughs> how are we supposed to play in the premier league with 16 senior players now it wasn't sunday since then they have uh, registered manor solomon as we discussed in the uh, you know ukrainian sanctions uh episode and also as of today they have uh, reportedly signed burnt leno so that is two new signings they've also got a couple of offers out for uh, center backs four apparently two of which have been confirmed to be malang Sar of chelsea and isa diop of west ham and two others mm-hmm. who are out unknown so they might be able to add enough players to make it to the end you know to make it through before the end of the window it is a big if though and if they don't and they exit the window this third bear relegation is a certainty it's not a it might oh no they can fight What well, 16 players is not or even if it's 18 now not enough not enough and if you have like even even one bad injury it's terrible and and they're so light in specific positions i mean you talked about a lot of the players that they've let go of, you know, a lot of the players they've let go of are in the same positions, letting go of Michael Hector and Alfie Mawson at the same time. Granted, they might not be at the level that you want to compete in the Premier League, and certainly I remember Michael Hector last time they are in the league looking like just nowhere near the level. But he's better than no player, and at the moment they have, I think it's just Tim Ream and Tosin Adarabioyo, and if one of them gets injured, they're going to be shoehorning a player who doesn't play therein. in. And I have to ask... You know, having seen how bad Michael Hector looked <laughs> last time, would he have been worse than playing, like, a, a fullback there or a winger there? I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure. I feel like maybe get the replacement in before you release him. Um, or sort of, you know, get those get those signings very early in the window before the, the, the contract expires. So... Yeah, I just think such a threadbare squad, so many players released without any real replacements in in mind. Even even now that they're on eighteen. Eighteen is not enough. Eighteen senior players is, is, is not enough to, to to start the Premier League season. Um I do think one of the things that you know um they do have not go if is a weird thing way to say it but not going for them is like i think it's kind of a much of a muchness uh whether fulham signs any players between now and the window closing versus the first game because the first game they played liverpool like they could have had the best window and they were still losing that so i don't think it matters that much um it would have been nice to have more of a pre-season but i don't i don't think whoever they signed i don't think it was going to make a difference when they when they play liverpool um i think at anfields <laughs> or is it or is it no is it craven cottage I'm not yeah
0: no sure. hey yeah not for that first game it's not going to matter too much I think um yeah Craven Cottage I think they're valid points I feel like they're definitely going to need to sign a few players and I've kind of made the assumption that they will just because you surely can't finish start the season with with that few um, first teamers and maybe that's an assumption poorly made because of of their history of trying to pick up players um, in the build-up to a Premier League side game season, uh, and they're not really working for them. Um, but I feel like just because they're not going to be competing on as many platforms as other teams and they're not going to have as many players leaving um, for the World Cup. I think they'll they'll get by at least until January, and if it's really looking threadbare at that point, um, I'll back them to, to pick up a signing or two if they need to. Um, but it's definitely definitely an ambitious claim for me to put them that high, but you know you got to go with your guts sometimes.
1: Who have you got uh, for your first team to go down?
0: I've I've got to play a team here that I think you put potentially fifteenth, um, which was Southampton. Did you do you have them fifteenth?
1: Mm. I did have them fifteenth.
0: Interesting. There's a well, I think I had Fulham 14th, but there's a little bit of parity there, which is quite nice. Um, I hear what you're saying about them. Bring in a couple of, of of exciting new young players. I think it's more just, and, and I think they've signed a couple since i really started thinking about this, um, such as uh, Seku Mara um, in in attack um, because they were looking very light in attack, um, and I and I do really like the signing of Arebo from Rangers. Um, I think they've got a solid defensive midfield. I think they'll they'll struggle for goals again and I think they're only one or two injuries away from from struggling. Um so for that reason and I think that they've they've flirted with with going down and with 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 looking very bad at times over the last couple of years I think it's maybe just a sense that their luck's going to run out at some point and, and I worry for them that it will be this year when there are I think, quite a lot of good sides.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously they had, as you sort of alluded to there, a really bad end to last season. I think they had, like, one win in 12 or something. Um, So, really, really bad end to last season. Um, They're really going to need to turn things around quickly. Um, And with that sort of, you know, terrible... it's It's always difficult to wonder, like, how much of how you end your season is still fresh in sort of, like, owners' and CEOs' minds when you start the new season. Like is Halton all starting the new season as if he's just lost those 12 games or sorry got that one win in 12 games like just a couple of weeks ago or is it sort of like a little bit of a reset and it's like oh well you know the wheels came off but fresh new season so we're not going to hold too much of that over you like is is the case I suppose I'm asking that if Southampton lose their first two or three games he's out immediately
0: yeah I mean if he does go out immediately then then they're in real trouble <laughs> Um, very real trouble indeed, um, and I do just think you know they've they've gotten away with playing players like James Ward-Prowse literally every single game. I think he played all thirty-eight games um, in the twenty 2020, twenty twenty-one season, and I think he played thirty-six games last season, and and I think it was another thirty-eight in the nineteen twenty season as well. And and I just get the sense that that's surely not maintainable. Um, you know, surely at some point he's going to get injured and then and then at that point I think they're really going to struggle in terms of progressing the ball forwards in terms of of linking attack to defense um, and in terms of being I guess creative um, and from set pieces attacking um, looking dangerous so I think if Ward-Prowse does go down then I think they might go down
1: yeah, well, a, a a sad day that you've condemned uh, JWP uh, to relegation. I never thought I'd see it myself. I thought your uh, your you know blind love for that man was even stronger than mine. I do um, love that man. But... I just
0: worry that I love him so much that I think he'll go to the World Cup.
1: Well, well, we'll we'll <laughs> see how, how how that all pans out. Are um, we sure? For will. My. 19th place side I've got a side here uh, that you said you were like oh you know I don't want to think they're too big to fail but I think if they were going to go down it'd be last season that's right it's Everton Um, one of the most out of form sides in the league under in my opinion Perhaps the worst manager in the league um I'm just not impressed by Everton whatsoever they were a rancid side a lot of times last <laughs> season um and they've lost for Charleston which won't help their case players like James Tarkovsky Dwight McNeil, and, and, and Ruben Vanagre, as you mentioned could be interesting signings and I think if a, if different teams signed them they could look interesting but it's three <laughs> rolls of the dice Tarkovsky you know last season he looked fine he wasn't at the peak of his powers we've seen him in previous years look like you know someone who could have a really big money move to a big side but wasn't quite there last season Dwight McNeil similarly when he came out onto the scene for Burnley age 20 I remember looking at him and thinking you are not the typical mold of a Burnley player you're quite sort of a tricky winger with a couple of you know things up your sleeve uh, but then has sort of failed to kick on since that moment uh, and Ruben Agri you know of course Went off to uh, to sporting because he couldn't quite uh, couldn't quite make it work at Wolves. um I also think that you know a lot of the issues at Everton, as we discussed in in detail uh, when Frank Lampard came in uh, and Benitez was sacked, are not even to do with the squad or the manager. There's all these issues with the ownership and sort of the back room and all these other stuff that are still swirling around and haven't been resolved. And they're still every 15 minutes having sort of like you know Bill Kenwright or Farhad Mishiri have to come out and sort of like placate the fans and be like, oh, I promise it's not. Gonna Going to be that bad this season which is not exactly something that inspires tons of confidence if you ask me uh and I think you know that would be that'd be tough for any club put that all together with a, a squad that has lost its probably if we're being fair best player in Richarlison Dominic Cavallon is just he was one of my favorite players but he just seems to have had one too many injuries and, and, and can't really find his form um and and a lot of the other the rest of the squad just doesn't really inspire me. I think this will be the season uh, that they'll go down. Um, and 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 also the other thing that I mention is, you know, we talk about how the problems go beyond the manager and the squad and this sort of awful administration. I would not be surprised at all to see Lampard be the one who is sacked earliest or or, or be sacked at like a really inopportune time. Um, they also have a, a mixture of games start of the season. They've got Chelsea and Liverpool away very early doors. They've got Arsenal at, at Goodison Park. Um... I kind of think that for Everton's best chance of survival, they need to actually start badly and sack Lampard so that the new manager can come in and have time to rebuild and use the window. <laughs> but what I, what I fear will happen is they'll they'll trundle along just enough to get through the window with Frank Lampard, and then they'll get through the, the January window, realize it's not working, sack him, and the cycle will start again. They'll get a new manager in, he won't have time to, to assemble the kind of squad he wants because uh, he won't have a window, and they'll go down.
0: Well, I'm not quite giving up on old Frank just yet. Um I do think that it was a singularly terrible time to be taking over Everton um, when he did uh, at the end of January. Um you know, they just sacked the manager at the very end of the transfer window as well as um a bunch of weird stuff going on in the back room. They they'd not really that's, picked up That's that's, up the that's what I mean. That's
1: classic Everton. I, that that stuff hasn't changed. Even yeah, if you think But that, what has, changed, know, what has changed
0: for me is that Lampard's had a pre-season, um, and I think that I think Everton on the pitch will at least be slightly more stable than they were when he took over. And I think that um, you know it just felt like such a, a pivotal moment when um, Everton came back from 2 0 down against Palace um, at the very end of the season um, to to win 3-2, um, and, and they played some of their best football that they had under Lampard, uh, and that felt like a bit of a turning point, but. Um, I'm a man that believes in narratives probably more than your average one <laughs>
1: certainly who have you got for your 19th place
0: 19th place for me is Brentford
1: um I Ooh, that, that's a I, I feel like you'd mentioned them earlier but I completely lost track there that's a I mean that's a huge out I mean I, I was talking about how we have these Sheffield United slash Leeds so maybe it fits the bill but I am I am shocked by that but uh <laughs> but please go, go ahead
0: I think um I think the main thing that that worries me when I'm looking at at Brentford is um their lack of of attacking players. I think that Christian Eriksen was a key part of of their their attack going forward in the second half of the season. I think he was really important to them and I, they've not really replaced him and I think they'll really struggle to replace him before the transfer window closes just because of of his profile as a player. Um, they've also gotten rid of Marcus Foss, one of their attackers, um, and they brought in Keen Lewis Potter, who who does look exciting. But um, I just feel like they're really going to struggle to to have any any real teeth um, against a lot of of Premier League defenses. I think I think they're going to be a low scoring side this year, and I don't think that they have the defensive strength of um, of the other teams that I've got staying up. Um, so. I think I think they could well stay up, but uh, unless they pick up one or two more players in attack, I think they're going to have a really tough season.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it could be the case. I, I I guess I just take issue with the fact that your main concern of, of Brentford and their abilities is something that hasn't seen Wolves go down in like eight years. So, But that's what I, I'm
0: saying. Wolves are a great example of a team which is really defensively resolute. And I don't think... I don't think Brentford have that. Um, I think that they, they've got a good core of players, but I think that be, beyond that, beyond a really solid um, midfield partnership and, and a couple of good centre-backs, I think they struggle in a lot of positions
1: maybe i mean i think a big part of their struggles was when raya was out and yeah as mentioned they will have you know pinnick and i are out to start the season so they could have a bit of a, a death spiral i am shocked by that i'm intrigued to see which one of us turns out sort of closer to, to where they end up uh, because we have gone many 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 positions apart there so, so it'll be an interesting one to watch uh, as the season matures where did um, you
0: put um where did you put brentford
1: I had them, uh, I believe, in twelfth or thirteenth. I had them in twelfth, so I had them twelfth. You had them seven places lower in nineteenth. Who they which got? Who they
0: got in attacking midfield? Who they got as a replacement for Tony if he gets injured?
1: Well, I mean, I mean, in the in the in terms of replacing for Tony and Bumo was uh was playing up top a fair bit last season. I think they're looking at Matthias Jensen to come in and try and fill the role that Christian Eriksen's left. Um, although I think he is a a, a much inferior player. Um, so at this point in his career, anyway, maybe he'll continue to develop. I think he's like twenty six. But yeah, I, I I don't think that they're amazingly potent up top. I also don't think they're bad enough up top to go down. But we'll we'll see. we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, 20th place. Uh, It turns out we have the same team, if I've done my remembering correctly. Uh, They play in red and black. They've just come up in second place. Uh, The Cherries... The cherries are just not, not not a team that either of us have any faith in which is interesting um, because they were a what's interesting, a fantastic side in the championship last season. Um, and even though they finished second to Fulham's first, um, they managed to lose the least amount of games in the championship last season and concede the least amount of goals in any of any team in the championship. All that being said, for me, my chief fear is that their recruitment has been far too restrained to kick them up to the level they need to survive in the top division. We were talking about, you know, Nottingham Forest earlier and how they'd spent £85 million on players, um, not including sort of the free transfers and the loan transfers. Uh, Bournemouth, in stark comparison, have spent... £10.7 million, uh, all on Mark Devonier, a midfielder who they're getting from Middlesbrough, as well as free transfers of Joe Rothwell, uh, a midfielder from Blackburn, and Ryan Fredericks, a sort of second-choice right-back from, from West Ham. Um, I'm concerned as well that when I look at their squad, the vast majority of their Premier League experience comes from players that went down with them last time. And for me, the cherry on top, the the real sort of final nail on the coffin, has got to be that their manager is Scott Parker. Scott Parker's managed one <laughs> club before for two seasons, and it was Fulham who he took up and then immediately took
0: down. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not a it's not looking too good for Bournemouth, which is funny because, as you said, they were incredibly defensively resolute last season. Um, I think I think it's it's just a sense that maybe it's partly bias from remembering the Bournemouth of old that they very much deserved to go down when they did um and partly as you say because of the lack of um the lack of really good signings that will take them up the level that's required to to transition from the championship to the premier league but it, it's also just moments like um you know that they, they've Gary Cahill's left and I know he was only there for a, a a one year um contract but um you know he was he was such a big part of of their early defensive resoluteness um i mean he he won um player of the month in um september when they only conceded two goals all month um and then it's just a weird one because he picked up a red card in january and then he just didn't really feature after that because they'd um they'd picked up nathaniel phillips on loan but I, i just sense that losing that kind of player can have such a big impact on on your ability to stay up because he's exactly the kind of person that you would want in that dressing room. Um, Just, you know, keeping a steady head on his shoulders. And, you know, I I recognise that it's probably um, out of their control. Maybe they just wanted to keep him and he decided to leave. I don't believe he's retired yet, from what I can tell. Um, He's just been released. Um, And I think it's little moments like that that just make me feel like they're just not quite going to have enough in that dressing room and Scott Parker isn't quite going to have enough you know arrows in his quiver or or words in his heart to keep them up
1: yeah yeah uh, I, I absolutely agree uh, because we have both got them uh, last place so come on Bournemouth come on Cherish prove us both wrong uh, and, and put a massive cherry pie on both of our faces uh, <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> which is... it does hurt doesn't it it hurts to to just call out teams that you think are going to go down
1: to, to just bag on them. Well, it depends on the team. I, I, I When inevitably we are sat here doing this next season and I, it comes time for me to just absolutely pummel Norwich, I'll, I'll feel nothing but catharsis.
0: <laughs> I feel like you enjoyed uh, your dismissal of Everton.
1: Yeah, no, I, I did as well, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how right slash wrong I, I am about that, um, as I am for all of our Atlantis calls, but probably a good place to end it for this episode, I reckon, Rupert. Um, so, thanks, uh, as always, for chatting.
0: Cam, thank you very much, and thank you to everyone for listening. If you have a different... Um, idea about how the table is going to look next season or if you just really hate what we said um, feel free to get in touch and let us know um, cam what's our email address again host at armchairanalyst.com is how you can reach us that's the one um, until then until next week cam um, i will speak to you soon and thank you for listening
1: cheers guys bye Armchair Analyst was recorded remotely by Cameron McDonald and Rupert Meadows. The album artwork was provided by our good friend Amschel.